0: hello and welcome to another episode of the counter option podcast you have Joe go Big red and Tyler boomer sooner here for another episode uh, lots's been happening since our last episode once again the news and college football is coming hot and heavy um, I don't know there, there's a lot of places where we could start but I probably think-
1: should start with the the carousel that happened just the past couple weeks. Oh it? yeah,
0: okay. So yeah, we'll start there with yeah. Boston College, right? Yeah, like
1: yeah, Boston College, Jeff Hafley, the uh, head coach there, he was he was at Ohio State before he before he went to uh Boston College. Decided to, to jump back into the NFL and go to Green Bay as their defensive coordinator. Everything that I really heard was he was looking to get back into the NFL he wasn't looking to stay in college tired of the call what college has become yeah you hear that a lot going on now and I get that but like we said on I think our first podcast was the
0: NFL is an easy job now compared to what what college is you don't have to put as many hours in I know when I've listened to Josh Pate recently he said the names that are considering leaving college would astound you and it's a lot Mm.
1: and it's it's probably names I'm sure Dabo's on that list. I'm sure uh, I'm sure a bunch of other people from bigger programs o- older are there ones too. that yeah. have done
0: it for a while, not really wanting to burn the midnight oil anymore and have to cater to these 18, 19 year- olds and deal with the NIL. Yeah, I could see it for sure. Yeah, and it, it may happen. We may see more next year after this season that that's going to be the case, but we don't know. We just don't know right now. Well, so yeah, you you mentioned that it was a, a carousel. So Halfley left.
1: Yeah, Halfley left. Bill O'Brien came in. I mean, I it, it good. Is it a good hire?
0: It I, it can be. The fact that they have a coach is a good hire. <laughs> yeah, the fact that
1: they have, the fact that somebody took it over is is a good thing. Is it yeah. a bad hire? I mean, you won't know for another few years. The expectations are really low there, of course. I mean, Halfley was there and he won six games. So you're not expected to be top of the ACC there. It's more of a, a hockey school than anything. Certainly. Um, th- that's what drives their revenue there. And it's it's crazy to see a school like that in the middle of Boston, it, it, like with Harvard and the Boston University and all that, that they are – not good at football with everything that's around them.
0: See, Northeast-wise, I mean, what do you... Because Rutgers really isn't...
1: When Rutgers gets going, when they actually tap the kids... It's like When 7 Yeah, when they they tap the kids out of that, you know, recruit those kids that are in that area,
0: they tend to do well. I feel like Penn State gets the majority of, like... Yes,
1: yes. I mean, Penn State runs that area, and... It's very hard to compete with them,
0: which is an interesting thing to bring up because O'Brien was yeah the Penn State at Penn head coach, State, so he has familiarity with the region.
1: Yeah, and he was also uh, at New England before he's got he,
0: NFL. Yeah, experience. before uh, he went, he was going to Ohio
1: State as their offensive coordinator. We'll get on that, get to that here in a little bit, but his family, I heard, was going to stay in Boston okay. while he was at Ohio State.
0: So this hire makes so much more sense. Don't have to do that. Exactly. So it's, let's talk about this. So he went from being the offensive coordinator at Bama where he was not particularly loved. Part one, And then you have the regime change there. So yeah. it's like it probably wasn't going to be retained. Uh, DeBauer wants to bring his people in. Uh, so And then he went from Alabama to Similar title or the same title at Ohio State, and then now <laughs> is the head coach at Boston College.
1: But it's probably better for him to be at Boston College. Oh yeah, in the lo- like in the long scheme of everything, um, he would probably get run out of Columbus after a couple years. That
0: is a pressure yeah. cooker right you now. You have
1: so much going on there. You're going to a place with lower expectations, mm-hmm. and honestly, you don't have to. You don't have to be the world's greatest, you know, football coach to be there. That's true. Everything that like like who was there? Radziszewski, I think his name was, who had Matt Ryan. Okay. He was he was there for a while, right? Like but he didn't he didn't do anything spectacular. He was there for like 6-7 years before they fired him.
0: Yeah, when you, when you say Boston College there aren't a whole bunch of you know, names that come to mind. You, you get Matt that, Ryan, Doug Flutie.
1: Yeah, and that's in you know AJ Dillon, but you all you really have with that is more of an academic school than anything. And like you said, hockey. Yeah, it's and the hockey's Northeast. their big thing. It's it's just a it's just crazy up there. I mean, you have Syracuse that kind of pushes and pulls in that area too, but they're not going to put in the kind of work that you know Penn State does. No, like, for sure. You know, like if I went back and I looked at the candidates for that job and it was like Jason Candle, like a Liam Cohen, Brian Flores, Al Golden, which would have been interesting because he was at Temple. Sure. And did well there. Jeff Monken from Army, Al Washington, the Notre Dame D-line coach who played there. And they said that had Al Washington taken that job, it probably would have had a huge culture change okay. in a very strong way. In a good way. In a good way, because he's very upbeat and positive And he wants the best for his players and the best for his program. So, like, it's very hard to, you know, sit there and say that Bill O'Brien's the best hire for that job, but I think he was the most immediate guy they could get. It's a and, big name for, for Boston College. Yeah, and to bring him in, to see what he did at Penn State in that couple years with Christian Hacken, Hackenberg, it was... Pretty impressive, I have to say.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I think with all the NI well, just with his NFL experience, that's gonna be enticing to pro or to recruits coming in. Yeah. So like like I agree. Is it the best hire? I I think a lot of that is to be seen, but I think it's pretty good for Boston College, and I would feel good if I was a fan or the administration there with what they've done.
1: Yeah, and with you know. Trying to get players into the pros, he will try to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's just going to go out and recruit the, the the Joes of the world. He's going to try to get the Jimmys too. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to try and bring them in and develop them and get them to be pro ready and have longer contracts in the league as well too.
0: Because he's got
1: that experience.
0: Sure, he knows how he knows the the game. So, like I said, I, I think it, it's good for for Boston College and it, it's probably a good spot for him to reset. Yeah. I think so, and to rebuild his
1: image more than anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: he wasn't particularly liked in Houston when he was the coach no. for the Texans. He wasn't particularly liked in when New he England. was in, in New England or Bama yeah. or even Penn State. You know, this is an opportunity where it is a lower level job for him to kind of rebuild that, and I think he needs that. I agree. I agree. You know, and that's that's just. That's what type of job I think it is for him. Mm-hmm. It's a rebuilding job for himself. Not really for BC. No. BC is going to be what BC is. But he needs that job for himself.
0: I agree. You know. But I mean, so that wasn't the only coaching change recently. No, I mean, like Chip Kelly left UCLA. I think it, we we just got done recording our last episode and, like, immediately after yeah, it was this like, news broke.
1: It was like five minutes, I think, <laughs> afterwards, and Chip Kelly left. He told the school he was leaving.
0: He didn't Surprising. Didn't, yeah. yeah they, this isn't UCLA saying they're done with him. It was the other way around. But
1: they did say he was dipping his toe in the NFL waters and he was trying to get. Certain OC jobs in the NFL, and nobody gave it. Nobody wanted to give it to
0: him. I mean, I think a lot of that has to come from the. I I would think that he has to feel unappreciated. I mean, he for what he's done there with what he's had. Last year, they they did decent at least to start the season. They had this really good defense, which is not really a trademark of yeah. Chip Kelly, but
1: he's really built it into a Big Ten. Kind yeah of program, and then sure.
0: and then you, you saw a promising future with the quarterback was a freshman last year so uh who transferred at the end of the year which was this pre or post him saying he was leaving pre pre okay. which
1: with him saying with him with his quarterback transferring you kind of think that the culture was off or he just didn't want was losing the team a little yeah was losing it i, I don't i'm not sure
0: it, it it's probably best for both parties
1: yes and I have heard chip that I have heard somebody say chip said he would be happy coaching high school football in New Hampshire I think he just wants to get back to coaching and he doesn't want to have to run everything which well, is a big thing
0: and we can get to this later because there there's some Oklahoma news I was wanting to talk about. When we're talking about, like, the administrative part of, like, what, what college football has become, and, like, having to run, like, almost a front office, like, in the NFL. But, yeah, I, I think it's turning a lot of coaches off that just want to just focus on the X and O's yeah. and just coach football. Um, And he'll get to do that as the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, and... He's got a lot more pressure at Ohio State than he did at UCLA. That's for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: At calling those plays. I mean, him and Ryan Day worked together in San Francisco. Okay. So they have like that. They have that commonality and that understanding with each other, and probably a good working relationship. Because I don't think Chip would have taken that job without that.
0: Right. I agree. You
1: know, and like the candidates for that job were way higher. Were way higher profile because I think that's a higher profile job. For number one, like the one when I saw that news break, and I thought we talked last time about PJ Fleck. I mm-hmm. for sure thought PJ was gonna jump ship and go Dude. to UCLA. Oh, okay. I really thought he was going to UCLA. Um, that would have been the stepping stone, in my opinion, for him to get into a USC, to get into an Oregon, to get into a Miami job or a mm-hmm. Texas the job, ne-
0: the upper echelon. Of yeah, and that's programs. that would have
1: been the the jump there, but as I said last time, I think PJ's great, but it seems like his team has plateaued in Minnesota. And the fact that he continues to stay there is a little
0: concerning, a little
1: concerning in the sense that you say to yourself is, is it a PJ thing or is it a university thing? You know, is, is PJ being loyal to the university or is PJ too afraid to dip his toe into a bigger market? you know and not saying minneapolis isn't a bigger market but minneapolis compared to LA is a small market
0: i mean, I, I, I agree with you there there is like there are windows for these for, for coaches like yeah. cuz I, I could the same could be said i think for about matt campbell mm-hmm. like why haven't you tried the next step after a lot, iowa state cuz like you've i feel like you kind of plateaued the same way there you've done as much as you can probably do it, now it's time to take it to the next level and see if you can do it at a big time program and and win some serious hardware. Yeah, um, they went with I mean they went with Deshaun Foster, a former running back. There, mm-hmm. you think is a a stability hire? They wanted somebody that's not going to leave them like Chip Kelly did. I think it
1: was for the time being, yes. Yeah, you know, but like back to candidates like Tony White, Nebraska's D coordinator. He he was on that list, and it honestly didn't shock me. I I love Tony and I think he's gonna make a great head coach one day. But I think had this job opened up in like December, Tony would have taken it. Not in February. Yeah. They're too far past You're behind the eight ball. Yeah, you're too mm-hmm. far past recruiting. You're too far you already had started winter conditioning and now's not the time to make that take take that move. And I think Deshaun Foster was on that that staff with Chip and they just elevated him for that reason.
0: So For UCLA, an easy transition, hopefully. Yeah,
1: but even like guys like Jason Candle would have had a, I I would, I thought would have been a good move for him. Eric Biennemi was on that, was named in there, and he's an NFL guy. He's not going to leave the NFL, especially what's going on. Seems happy there. Now there were a couple names that kind of came through that were a little interesting to me, like David Shaw from Stanford. Sure, that one. He's unemployed. I mean, he knows the area, he knows the terrain, he knows California, whether it's north or south,
0: and he. Probably would have a little bit more support with the athletic side of things than he did at Stanford. Of course,
1: of course. And then Brian Hartline.
0: Up and coming game, coaching ranks. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: take him and make him your head coach. But he's been at Ohio State, and his play calls haven't – he hasn't really had a chance to call plays there. You know, Ryan Day did most of all
0: Do you think he's sitting there kind of waiting to see if something happens with Ryan Day? Because, like, he could be a name to watch out for if that comes open. It's
1: possible. I think he's got a wish list. I think mm-hmm. Ohio State's on the top of that wish list. I also think teams like Penn State would be on that wish list. I think uh, I think an, like an Arkansas job would be on that True. wish list because again, there's not high expectations down there, but it's like the UCLA job. It's a stepping stone. U- yeah. UCLA has not been has not been Since a major
0: major power. Since the late 80s, honestly. 80s? Who's the... It's Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, yeah. Yeah. Who who was at Oklahoma. Yeah, and then transferred out. out. Yeah, but... uh, No, I agree. UCLA really, in my lifetime, hasn't been anything... No. ...considered, yeah. No, I mean,
1: they have good players that come through there. They have a year here, they have a year there, and it just doesn't ever... Was it Maurice Jones-Drew? He, I think so yeah. I think it was him and Mercedes Lewis yeah that was that, a good team that was a good team but I mean they didn't win more than seven or eight ball
0: games I think that was during Pete's time at U- USC yeah. or at least yeah. towards the end of it
1: yeah and his name came up and I actually was kind of like wouldn't that be interesting if he turned UCLA into what USC was <laughs> it you would know, be interesting for but sure th- like think about that think about the impact in the LA area if that happened Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be dynamic
0: and huge for any I, kid coming out. I agree. And like how it'd be hard to turn down an offer from Pete Carroll at UCLA. Um, knows the area obviously so well and uh, his proven track record with USC. I mean, I, I think he could do it again if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about how college football is becoming more and more like the NFL. He's been in the NFL. He, I think he would know how to assemble a front office staff that could free him up to just deal with the football aspect of things. Yeah,
1: and and those re, they have, like, recruiting analysts now. Mm-hmm. And, like, he doesn't have to do a whole lot of that. Like, you just got to go in and be the closer. But yeah, mm-hmm. he, he could easily
0: do that. Hire that, some young, hungry coaches that, that that are your frontline guys like, with the recruiting. Like the
1: Sarkeesians and mm-hmm. the Lane Kiffins when they were coming out. Mm-hmm. The Ed Orgerons. Like... No one really knew of those guys when they were coming out. And then, boom, they just blew up. They recruited really well, got the good players, and developed every single one of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Tom Herman was on that list, former Texas head coach, (laughs) FAU head coach right now. Honestly, not? not?
0: Honestly, I think Texas Texas pulled the plug on him too soon. I think if they didn't pull the
1: plug on them, I think Texas would be farther along than what they are now with Sarkisian.
0: That's uh, not to say Sark's a bad coach. That's I not, think he's doing a good not, job.
1: But I mean, Herman had that that thing humming for a little bit there because mm-hmm. Bijan was what a sophomore when he
0: when he came in. I mean, and he had Ellinger and had, like yeah, him Elling- and Ellinger, like that was a perfect marriage. I thought like yeah, um, it was had, just the defensive side of things and, and and in the trenches, I think that really got him. Uh, his offensive line never seemed to be what you would need to be a championship level
1: but he started to work on fixing that it was like an immediate we need to fix this Mm -hmm. and you could start to see those teams get a little nasty you know he had Bijan at running back he had Ellinger and then he had Casey Thompson after that you know so he he's been able to build really good football teams since he left Ohio State and went to Houston and then went to you know went to Texas but I think the UCLA job would have been his way back in. And
0: I think sure. he would have stayed there a while. I, I agree. I think UCLA, uh, regardless of who they would have hired, they, they're they going to have to give this next coach some time. I mean, it, I felt like they were getting a little too uh, impatient with Chip Kelly. Yeah. I mean, I, it was trending in the right direction. It was just, you know, taking longer probably than they would like. And yeah. Uh, But yeah, and then so there are a couple more names there. Yeah, there's uh,
1: like a like few more. There's, Barry Odom, the Tommy Reeses, the Anton Lynn, Anton Lynn, DeAnton Lynn was the D coordinator there the year before, before he went to uh, USC to be the D defensive coordinator, and Jamie Chadwell. I mean, those guys, they don't move the needle for me. They, no, they they just don't like those guys. Scream! Oh, you're a one year, you're a one to two, maybe three year guy, and then we're just gonna move on to find somebody else. Is Deshaun Foster that too? Very possible. Yes. Very, very possible. They were just... I think they were just behind the eight ball, and they just needed somebody who understood the university and somebody that just was going to instill the right culture for them, and Mm -hmm. they feel it's going to be fostered, and we'll see what happens.
0: Well, so, I mean, an interesting question is, I mean, what kind of job is UCLA? I mean, comparing that to Boston College, I would have to think... It's a better job than Boston College. Absolutely.
1: I, I would say, but it's still... It's still on the same level as Boston College. Oh, I mean, you're not—you can't get away with winning six games there. No, you just can't. However, if you win eight, nine games consistently, you're safe. You're safe. You know, and whoever, like Deshaun Foster, it's a stepping stone for him. It's his first—I think it's his first head coaching job. He but does, He's
0: an—he's an, he's an uh, alumni. Yeah. If he could stay there, you'd think that maybe he'd want to. Is if he could get it going. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's like, for the Big Ten, it's on
1: pace with BC and like the SC, the ACC. It's not a high prestige school. Sure. It's, as far as football goes, as football yeah. as far as far as football goes, it's more of a basketball school with John Wooden I'm and sure. their and their basketball and team academic. is really well. Yeah. So. It's so hard to
0: know how these coaches are gonna do. We just don't know. I, I think that UCLA could be a sleeping giant.
1: As far as like,
0: because talk about Boston College, and I guess it could be too there in the Boston area. But we've talked about, you know, in the 80s, UCLA was, they were pretty good. And and I would say even into the 90s, they had an okay team. But uh, you are dealing with all of the, the issues that people, Say are there with USC? There's too many things going on in LA. There's too many other sports teams that fans really don't care about college football there. So yeah, there's, there's pros, but there's also a lot of cons. But if you also look at kind
1: of the distance mm-hmm. between SC and
0: UCLA, well, yeah, USC's there in LA. It's in the city. Like Pasadena's yeah, outside. Yeah,
1: like you. So basically, you get on. You get out of LAX and you drive to go downtown. You pass USC and sure. it's and it's like, oh, I didn't realize it was that close. And it is right there. Not in the best neighborhood
0: I've heard. No, it's not.
1: <laughs> it's not. But it's not. It, that area is is deemed. But you cool are safe. in LA. You
0: are in LA. You know, versus that's having to drive forty five minutes an hour outside of town to get to UCLA. Is that, is that how far it is? It's with I traffic? Mean, yeah, probably. It's probably a couple hours and with traffic, but. You know,
1: it, there's a big difference there. You know, it, it. if you're in a recruit and you want to be in a big city, a big market, you're going to want to go to SC because of that reason.
0: True. If you're... Well, I mean, USC is all... If you're going to compare them to two, USC is the program.
1: Yeah, USC is Notre Dame. Yeah. Status.
0: Yeah. Let's just are a blue blood.
1: Yeah. They've yeah. had some good years and they've had some very bad years too, but they seem to be able to turn it around a lot faster than... Some of the other Blue Bloods have, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of that is a recruiting advantage of being in an area where it's 70 degrees year round. You're near the beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh. Do whatever you want at that point, you know. Uh, other news that was big, too, was Florida State wanting to buy out of the
0: ACC. They're not happy.
1: No, they're not happy. No. They're not,
0: and... For for a couple of reasons, right? So, I mean, obviously the whole debacle with them going undefeated last year and missing out on the playoff. But then I think they are probably looking at the Big Ten and the SEC and seeing the writing on the wall. While the ACC is not the worst conference out there, it's it doesn't stack up to the new Big Ten, the no. new SEC. No, it doesn't. And... They're not when it when it comes time for for money, and it's They're going to they're, they're be missing out on a substantial portion, on compared to what the Big Ten and SEC yeah. teams are getting.
1: Because it sounds like ESPN is ready to just cut the cut the ties, sever the ties with the ACC, and that's a big big deal. Because who's going to give them television rights? Right. Because there's only really, if you think about it, there's only two really good teams there, and
0: it's Florida State and Clemson. Football wise, football wise, basketball is a you're, little different, right? You got Duke, you yeah. have North Carolina, but th- there, there are some brands that I think that w- would be able to land or move conferences. But yeah, they, it's just another aftershock of the, this realignment that's happening. And
1: you know, like you were saying the other day, with Josh Pate was saying, "You guys better be careful for what you wish for." Sure, you know, and it's a hundred percent
0: true there. Like, Everybody's clamoring for change, yeah. but like do you see what what's down the road? Like yeah. yeah, the the next thing might be what an expanded playoff and all this, but then we're going to have a watered down regular season. And into my, my we're, we're a little bit of a tangent here, but I think it's it's worthwhile mentioning. One of the, one of the main reasons why I love college football is I think out of all the sports, its regular season is at the most at the most important compared to like the NFL or basketball, baseball, like every game seems to matter. You expand the playoff, it it just doesn't matter as much yeah. as it used to.
1: Yeah, and that's what made it so great in the past was you know, you lost one game, you were potentially out. Oh my God. You were it felt like out. your season is over. Yeah. yeah. Now if you lost two games, you were done. Like you're mm-hmm. just you're just playing for a ball game at that point. But now, if you lose, like what I brought up on the first episode, is if Colorado, you might have a three or four loss team in the playoff. If Colorado goes nine and four, uh. are you going to tell them they can't play in that because it's going to be very hard to keep the eyeballs up, you know, right. off of that? But I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't necessarily like where it's going now. They did. They need to make some tweaks. Yes, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. The first, the first tweak they needed was to at least make sure the players got paid sure that was a big one and i know we've we've talked to some people and they're all like well they their education is their payment
0: you're right it is but what is their value to the the university and are they actually being fairly compensated for that exactly yeah that's what it becomes but
1: you can't have you know you can't have you can't have everything but
0: what they've done is they've completely changed the sport when we talked about it without guardrails with, with no clear direction of where, where we're going. I mean there, it, and it sounds like whatever is going to happen with the playoff right now is only going to be like a two year stint. Cause they're going to, we're talking about changing yeah. it here again.
1: Cause yeah. We, Cause it, we were, we were looking at it the other day and mm-hmm. it was like what the five conference champions. Mm-hmm. And we were like, there's only four. That's right.
0: The the pack, God, God love Oregon State and Washington State but two teams doesn't make a conference
1: yeah exactly and it's just like there's only four and then I then I started thinking and I was like oh it's either the group of six or the group group of five however they're labeled the best one of those would probably be the one that gets that last spot and there's like seven open entries okay now since we've gone on this tangent I Mm -hmm. am just going to say this with that okay I don't like the fact that there's seven open entries because i really think guys like a buffalo if they do really well or uh umass or mm-hmm. georgia southern or those schools that like if they beat a bunch of really good teams they're not making the playoff they're just not it's true a team like auburn a team like uh Ole miss Ole miss Mississippi State can get State, in there. Uh, Fuck yeah. you, Brandon Walker. Uh, <laughs> they could get in there, but like I the, the, a lot of those teams aren't gonna deserve it. No. And that's the that's the problem that I'm gonna have with it is you're gonna see teams that don't that don't deserve it being there because of name and conference affiliation. Which is goes back to what we were talking about last time with the NIL. We have to find a way to get these smaller guys on the same playing field as the big boys in these smaller conferences it's not fair to them because they're going to play just as many football games probably the same kind of caliber of teams mm-hmm. and they're going to have good years and they're going to be like oh sorry you're not in the in the ACC you're not in the Big 10 you're not in the SEC or the Big 12 you can't be here right and that that's that just really you know doesn't sit well with me
0: well i mean it it definitely feels like they're moving away from that like it's it's gonna be this top group of schools and then yeah your your group of five uh programs are gonna be on the outside looking in yeah and And I, i i do think yeah it's it's not good for the sport
1: no and that i mean that's what that Kind of ties us back around mm. to Florida State, you know. They got left out of the playoff last year. And They're year. a big brand, and they really are. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, going way back into the '80s yeah. through the '90s, they mm. were, they were right there, and they've been up and down, but they've, they've been consistent mm-hmm.
0: for I for as long as I can remember, you know. And they losing left an undefeated Florida State out, you think that Tulane's going to get a shot? No. Did they deserve a shot? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean what
1: Willie Fritz did there last year. Sure. Oh, my God. That was a team.
0: But, I mean, I, I think that just shows you where the college football yeah. playoffs committee's heads at. Yeah. Like, well, no.
1: Because they were a top 25 team. Tulane mm-hmm. was a top 25 team all year. Mm-hmm. They climbed up to almost top 10 by the end of the year. And mm-hmm. it's it's situations like that where if Tulane won Conference, during conference USA or Athletic.
0: I think American, they're... American.
1: Okay, so if they win the American, and they're the highest-rated American conference champion, mm-hmm. are you going to give them one of the top five seeds?
0: Probably not. Probably not unless they've their auto conference is just like out of this world. And they're playing like an Alabama, and they're going to play like a Michigan. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. So scenario like <laughs> yeah, that. Though. Yeah. Say that they were to beat an Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then go to the Big
0: Ten, beat like Purdue or yeah, something. Yeah,
1: beat Purdue, and go to the and then go to the Big Twelve and beat Oklahoma State, Colorado. Call, ooh, okay, Colorado. Right. Yes. I'm just throwing a team out there, yeah. or Utah, right? You, if you could pull off one of those two upsets, I would be impressed with that. Yeah, I, I would give it to them. Mm-hmm. I would give them a top five seed. That's to me, that resume says everything. But people are going to say, well, they just got lucky. Or Colorado had a bad game because Shador did this or, so, or you know, whatever. Right. And, I, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's okay when it's not okay. You know, no. Auburn's in a rebuild. Okay. Right now, so is Tulane. They just lost Willie Fritz to Houston. Certainly. So they're in a rebuild too. You know, you could say that about Purdue. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with, with Colorado.
0: And then you beat Utah. I'm... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. Utah is That's a, a really well run program.
1: You know, it, you're going to leave a team like that out probably is not smart. You know, and.
0: We're going to see it, though.
1: Yes. Yes, we will. We will and it. it's going to be a whole other can of worms that the NCAA is not ready for, that they're going to, at some point, something has to happen because this can't continue on.
0: Like I this. agree. And so, but I think we we mentioned it last week, where the Big Ten officials and SEC officials were meeting together, and it sounds like, in my opinion, they're we're gonna stick together and we're gonna make our own little pact. And as soon as this next contract up is up, which I think it's like I said, two years, I think so. They're gonna have some bar or some leverage, and they're gonna have things run the way that they want. And I think that that might be when we see the NCAA going away and possibly like a new... At the FBS level. FBS level, sure. Um, we might see a different kind of rule committee come into play. What This college football... Uh, landscape. Landscape that we're seeing right now, I think this it, it's good for two years and the expiration's up and then we're going to do it again. So Yeah, and... Because they're already talking about yeah, even further expansion. We haven't even yeah, they played are. this new... Around the playoffs, in.
1: but what it sounds like is—is is it's going to be it's going to be Big Ten and SEC, and that's it. Sure, I don't agree with that. I don't
0: agree with it either. I,
1: I just don't because, like, if you look at if you look at the NFL, the, of course they have thirty-two teams. Now these both of these schools have probably thirty-six to
0: forty. Sure, both these conferences, and it's not. That's not sustainable. It's just not. Well, I mean, you're talking about, and like, I don't have the numbers, but like before all of this, this movement, before all the uh, conference realignment, you had, it, it was kind of like a steady, uh, you have your high school rinks, there's a, hundreds of thousands of kids, yeah. and then, you, you know, you're paring down probably like 25% of those make it to the, FBS level, less than that even probably. I and would then, probably
1: say about I would say fifteen per, t- t- twelve to fifteen okay. percent probably make it up there.
0: But if if you're cutting down to you're you're saying, Division one is only going to have like forty six to fifty teams. You really are, cutting down what you're what, taking
1: the one percent. That's 1%. really what you're da- that's what yeah. you're doing. You're taking the <clears> one percent. <throat> that. And not all that one percent doesn't always work out. That's no. the other thing too. It's like you look at a look at a kid who played. I mean, his the, high there's school examples ball. of
0: it all over in the NFL. Like Josh Allen went to Wyoming, and then Flacco who went to Delaware, and then not a whole bunch of are coming in my head at the Brock moment. Brock Purdy went to Iowa State. Brock Purdy went to you Iowa know? State. There's a there's a whole bunch of kids that come out of high school that aren't ready to perform at a high level right away and yeah. still need some development and at a place that's not so big where they can actually get some confidence around them and learn the game more. Like I feel like those programs are essential and they, they help build great football players. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem Mm -hmm. is it's that, and
1: I don't know. I I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. And I, and I fear that it's going to be just those two. And Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Big 12 and the ACC. ACC and all the other conferences are going to be on the outside looking in and get nothing from it. So you're going to either be forced to join up or sit out. And for a school like Oklahoma State, that doesn't do well for you. No. Especially in Stillwater where there's not a lot. Not a lot going not on. A lot, not a lot going on there. And if you can't,
0: you know. And I love Canada, Gundy. But, yeah, I mean, if you if you are going up against the disadvantages that we're talking about, I don't care how great your coach is. It's, it's going to take more than that. Absolutely. So. It's going to
1: be a lot harder. A lot harder. You know, and then back to, like, you know, it, and even with uh, Alabama, too, like with Ryan Grubb leaving. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, he uh, apparently got... The Seahawks job in the NFL, sure. Okay, so he's not going to be with the He didn't go with the board. This it ends up he didn't stay with the But Nick Sheridan, one of their tight end coaches who came with them, is going to be their offensive coordinator. Okay, and I I don't, he's never called plays. So it's, is he really going to be the offensive coordinator or is he going to be the board in, t- in title? <laughs> yes, in job description, no, because the board is going to call plays probably the first year. which you know that's always an interesting thing to think about. Is Peck's going to go to the Seahawks? <laughs> they need a quarterback, but why Penix, not? <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: that that could be that could work out really well for Penix because you know how I feel about Penix. You I, love him? I love him. I think he's
1: great. He's got that left-handed flick that just yeah. throws that ball seventy-five it yards. It goes in. so fast.
0: I his release is incredible. Uh, him there in Seattle with uh, DK and Lockett. And, yeah, I think and that, Jigba, that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Look out. Look out. Like I, I, feel like that could be what they're looking for, but, um, I mean, so Nick Sheridan coming in, uh, we don't, we won't know, we won't know for another two, three years. Wait on and that see. One. A That's bit. a wait and see. I don't, I don't really put too much stock into that, but just real quick, going back to the the, the Florida State thing yeah. and like the conference realignment, do you think it gets to a point where? We look at restructuring these conferences again, because does it make all that much sense that Oklahoma's in the SEC and that USc's in the Big Ten could we not resituate them with more regionally close schools that are still considered like SEC or Big Ten or whatever's left, you know? you'd have to I like I, I'm waiting for that,
1: yeah, because what I. What I would like to see happen if that does happen is, you know, go if you're the Big Ten and you like you have like the Big Ten East, you have like the Big Ten East and all the sure. schools on the East on the East Coast. So let's say hypothetically, for example, that West Virginia joins from the Big 12, uh, North Carolina joins NC State, Duke mm-hmm. and you yeah, have more of an and East Miami. Coast representation, so you have, a, you, have a, you have an East Coast on that side. And then you have your Central where you have like the Nebraska's, the Iowa, Iowa the Minnesota, Purdue. Uh, Purdue, and you grab, say, uh, Iowa, Iowa State. State, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. um, and Texas Tech. We're just going to throw that out there. Sure. That's all, okay. that's, And that's all right there. Okay. And now you have your Big Ten West where you have USC, UCLA, UCLA Washington, Washington Oregon. Arizona, Utah, uh, and Colorado. So, like, they're all that, but the problem becomes with a scenario that is like that is how do you determine who's going to play who in the championship game? You know, because you can sit there and you can say, oh, well, you can take the East and put them in a three-team playoff with with everybody else, mm-hmm. but does it do you any good? No, it doesn't do you any good. No. You know, you can't say, oh, we'll take the best team out of everything. doesn't still doesn't do you any good. Because the best team that year,
0: could, if it's a, if it's a down division,
1: yeah, it could be Minnesota. It could be Michigan. Iowa. It could be Michigan State. <laughs> exactly. It could be Iowa. It could be Iowa that, State. That
0: Big Ten championship this last year was a snooze, and it was. I, I I love Iowa and what they do, but did was that the second best team in the Big Ten? No, no, no it's not. No. It was. I mean, it's clearly Michigan and Ohio State. Mm. Th- that's that.
1: I actually think it's Michigan. I think it's Ohio State and Penn State this year, just because
0: Michigan's going to probably take a step. Yeah, back. they're
1: going to take a step back. But that's my opinion on that. I don't know it's going to go go that route. But how are you going to decide the SEC at that point, too? Right? Like, I it's, agree. It's yes. so hard to look at these super conferences in that light and say this is how we're going to do this. Because who
0: does it though? With less teams.
1: With less I teams. Guess, yeah. Yes, but you're going to look at this whole thing and you're going to be like, how are we going to do this? Because somebody's going to get left out and somebody's going to get butthurt just like Florida State was in the 14 playoff by going undefeated, right? You can't sit here and say, I don't know, like say Oklahoma State is a fringe Mm
0: -hmm. team
1: on that, but they are the best team.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You don't really want Oklahoma State playing Ohio State. No. You don't want I'd want Utah playing Ohio State. That would be
0: a fun game. I to watch. Would, I'd pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Day would be frustrated. He, he, very
1: much so. <laughs> Kyle Whittingham is whew, probably one of the best college football coaches mm-hmm. that gets zero attention. Uh, but that's just that. You just someone's going to get upset because you have to create a fourth kind of fourth kind of division to separate the whole thing. And where is that going to come from? Is that going to be like a Big Ten Southwest? Is that going to be like an SEC Southeast. Did you do you do like know? a north
0: south east west?
1: Yeah, but then it all gets it all gets weird because you could sit there and say Michigan is in is is in like the central. We'll say Big Ten Central, mm-hmm. Big Ten East, Big Ten West, Big Ten South. We'll
0: we'll we'll just throw this scenario out. Cowboys are in the NFC East. Of course. It's crazy. <laughs> it I don't doesn't make any that. sense either. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it.
1: But take like Yeah. Take that model. Okay, so you have, let's. Okay, so you have all those teams. Where are you gonna put an Ohio State? You're gonna put them in the East. You're gonna put them in the Central, right? Because if you put them in the East, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you have Michigan in the Central with, you know, with all that it makes sense. In the South, you really don't have any Southern teams.
0: You not have, with Big Ten. No. no,
1: not with Big Ten. Like you, you'd have to go to the Southwest and get. Arizona State, Arizona, like it said tech. Texas Tech, and you'll have to Maybe get TCU. Again, get TCU, and that would have to be that. That would have to be that division. Mm-hmm. And then you have the West. I don't think that's beneficial for f- anybody. For anybody. Just because the money payout that has to happen, you can't you can't have a level playing field with that. And that's a big draw for the Big Ten and the SEC is because the money gets distributed to every team at the same amount. There's no fluctuations, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many moving pieces with it. And uh, I, I hope that the powers that be don't get too greedy, Yeah, which is, it's a lot to ask for. And that we can still have a game that, of college football that we like after all this is said and done. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy
1: you know I, I don't even want to think about it yeah you know imagine the football NCAA mm. football 25 that's coming out mm-hmm. think about all those crazy updates that would have to happen with all that happening yeah, those those
0: guys would have to be working tirelessly well we that's coming out this year by the way college football game which we've Ooh, been deprived of for, for 10 years 11 years yeah 11 years and yeah. i mean that that's my favorite video game mine too man i remember playing that but imagine that oh it just
1: I would if I was working at EA and they were telling me, "Oh, you got to update again, I would bang my head against the wall.
0: and I was like, no, we're gonna give the, the, the players the option just to make the conferences and let them have it. Oh, oh. God, I don't want that to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're eighteen, nineteen. You know, they're not. They're not built for that. No,
0: I was talking about like the, the oh, video game gotcha. players. Like, yeah, here, here, you can have the keys to like set it up however you want. And... No, man, I don't want that either. You know sure. what? The, I don't want that kind I of responsibility to of
1: because you're gonna pick a team and you're gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna build it from the ground up, and then you're like, oh hell, I'll go into, I'll go into, you know, LCC. ACC. I'll go in the ACC, LCC? and then you're just like, crap, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> just killed me you know but it's it's what it is you know it, you, we're gonna see what happens mm-hmm. but i just had to throw that out there because that would be like funny to watch like you turn your go to open up it open it up on your playstation and you'd be like oh, i got an 18 hour download
0: what is going on here <laughs> <18 hours>. <laughs> <laughs> download. But, but seriously though with all the changes fast and furious like that is yeah. that's what we're looking at yeah but- you said you had some OU news. What's going on? Sure. So yeah, some staff changes. Uh, J.R. Sandlin, he is he he was their uh, recruiting director, player personnel guy, and he took a job at SMU as their. I think they called it just the GM.
1: This That's is, a good move for college him. College
0: football is moving more yeah. more like we've been saying towards this NFL structure, and so. Uh, while I do think that is a, it's going to be a big, uh, we'll miss him at Oklahoma, I do think what they're replacing him with is, a, is an upgrade. Yeah. Uh, I think Venables and uh, Joe C., who's the uh, athletic director there at Oklahoma. They, He's a really good a- AD for sure. Really good AD. And so they, they see kind of where college football is going, and we're going more towards this NFL structure. And so I think they already had a guy in mind and, and in place had, you know when Sandlin was gone um, and Curtis Lofton's going to be the new Oh, I like that. GM at OU. Nice. Essentially when we that title comes into place and like could I think of a better player or a person no, no. like he was a legend there. Legend, yeah. He's highly recruited. He uh, was an All-American at OU, went on to have a great NFL career. I want to say he was a Pro Bowl player at least one year. I think so. With the Raiders or the Falcons. But uh, he's a very uh, no-nonsense guy, and I think he fits along with like, kind of the Brent Venable's culture where we're doing things the right way. And uh, he... I, I think he's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, Nebraska had some of that too this mm-hmm. year where they were
1: eliminating some of this. Uh, they're not eliminating the job. Mm-hmm. They're moving on from some people that he's worked with in the past. Sure. I, I don't know what happened there, if they missed on some guys or they didn't do a certain thing that Rule wanted. I don't know, but I do know that. They cut ties with like three guys that he's worked with in the past, and I was oh, like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, and they were big ones, like the Mike Wallaces and uh, Omar Hales. They they were their big recruiting guys in the, in the behind the scenes, and so, cut, so what happened there? You think I don't know? No. I really don't know. I I know rules trying to lock down the borders with, and, with Nebraska, with Nebraska, and I know that. It's very hard to pull some kids out of certain spots for certain reasons. Okay. You know, like, for example, my high school at Omaha West Side, they, they had a player by the name of Teddy Rizak and his brother. They went to Notre Dame. Okay. I think that was purely a religion thing. Okay. Being, you know, they might like Irish Catholic. And
0: I think that's where they wanted to go. Sure. You, know, you,
1: can't, you can't control something like that.
0: You know, that... it's a big time program. Obviously, Nebraska is a big time program. So you're splitting hairs at that point. But so like, it's like
1: they lost a kid to Illinois that was in the state. And I was like, mm. that shouldn't happen. OK, if it was if it was Ohio State. OK, if it was Michigan. OK, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Even Iowa, I wouldn't have a problem with. But Illinois. OK,
0: I'm, I'm right there with you, man.
1: And it's an offensive lineman and you should have had him there. You know, because he had he got an offer from Mickey when Mickey was there, and you know, he wanted to come and then decided he didn't want to.
0: I mean, I think that's it's it's a good sign of a good program is a coach basically is like you said, setting up borders and like, no, this is our state yeah. and we get our pick of these guys first before anybody else comes in yeah. here and tries to take them.
1: And he and he's and of course you sit there and you say he's like. I can't get them all. You can't get them all. Can't. But if you can get
0: ninety percent of them, it's a win. And Most teams stay away. And those guys that grew up there at Nebraska, they're gonna play with a little bit of an extra edge. Yeah. It's gonna mean a little, a little yeah. bit more than anybody else that's out there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that—that's—that's that's what's going on there. I haven't heard any replacements or anything, but okay. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious, and they get guys of. You know, really decent quality. So, so were these are like
0: analysts. These are these weren't like coaches. Coaches or no,
1: they were recruiting guys. They recruiting, were like, okay. They were behind the scenes. They were the guys that if they got to recruit, like Omar Hales would always have like like fireworks come up. Okay. So like you always knew something was happening. Um, but I, th- I think for rule it was very important to have those guys for year one. Okay. Just to help set set the structure, and then I think he he might've thought he was going to have to move on and then realize he had to.
0: Sure. But
1: I don't know what happened there. I'm not, we're not there every day. So we True, don't know.
0: But I, I trust in rule being able to backfill those positions for what he exactly, what he's looking for. I'm of sure course. it's going to be an upgrade after it's all said and done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the long run it will be, you know, in it's the same if you lose a position coach, you're going to be like, damn, I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see Terrence Knighton go to, I don't know,
0: Houston. Sure. But But, there's also excitement with like, okay, but who's he going to bring in? Exactly.
1: Yeah. They're going to bring somebody in that they know is going to do a good job and it'll be really, really, really worth their time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, do you you want to get to the, the, we have this next portion here being, well, this is the fun portion. Right. This so, we're we're in the middle of winter workouts. Spring football's right around the corner. Who are your players on the Nebraska offensive side that you see that need to make a big jump for Nebraska to be the best that they can be next year?
1: Okay, so we talking offensive or defensive?
0: Offensive. Okay, offensive. offensive players.
1: Okay, so there's about we we're gonna I'll give you a list of five and then you give me a list of five. Sure. Uh, these are guys that I. That I think need to have a big spring, for for very specific reasons. Um, it's not picking on them, but there's we've talked about other, in the other episode where there's transfers and stuff. So sure. it's very important for some of these spots. Uh, number one is Teddy Prochaska. Okay. He he's a junior left tackle for us. He's out of uh, Elkhorn. He's a local kid. Uh, was he's like 6'9", 350, or six ten. Almost 400 pounds, he's big big boy. big boy, big big boy, but he's had a lot of like knee problems since he's gotten there. Okay, so he had a really strong freshman year under Frost. His sophomore year with Frost wasn't wasn't so. Or his redshirt freshman year wasn't so great. Okay, and then last year he just was battling, and they brought him along slowly. Um, but as if you watch what they have done over the year, the past couple years, bringing Jacob Hood in from Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have Turner Corcoran, who was already recruited on the team. He played left tackle last year and did really well. The right side of that line is solidified with Bryce Benhart. They're not moving on from him. He came back because he wants one more year to elevate his draft draft stock so he can go pro. He's a pro guy. He's a big guy, too. But we're now looking at Teddy as a make-or-break year this year in spring because... You just bring in Grant Bricks, who was an Oklahoma guy that they were looking at. He's going to push that that line in competition as well, too. So, he's if he gets hurt again, he's going to get buried and recruited over. And there's nowhere else for him to play on that line. Is Bricks... He's the high school kid? Yeah. Okay. Out of uh, Logan Mag- Magnolia. I, I remember that line.
0: recruitment. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because and no. Bob really wanted him. Mm-hmm. And he decided to stay close to home.
0: Yeah. No. I mean... In, I think it's going to be a great decision for him, and hopefully the the competition brings out the best in both of them.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't like Teddy. Teddy would not fit well at guard. He's because of his size. You don't want a six nine guard. No, you want that guy to be six five, six six, somewhere around there. But you don't need you don't need that blocking the view, especially with. With crossing routes and stuff like that. But you don't if, need
0: that. if Dylan Ryol is your guy, you want that left side of the line yes. solidified.
1: Yes. You we really have to. It doesn't matter if it's Dylan, and we'll get to that here sure. in a minute. But it doesn't matter if it's Dylan. It doesn't matter who it is back there. Sure. You have to have that side solidified. The right side is is fine because they've got they've got Ben Hart and they're probably gonna plug uh Micah Mazuka there. Okay. And then that left guard they have Henry Litovsky. And at center, they have Ben Scott. So the left tackle spot right now is the one spot that is not really solidified. And they have to get that figured out. And if Teddy wants it, he's going to have to have a strong, strong spring. He's got all the talent in the world to do it. He just has to stay healthy, put that work in, and I think he'll be great. Okay. Uh, The next one is Gabe Irvin, Jr. He's a junior running back out of uh, Buford, Georgia. He is exactly the type of running back rule likes. He's a big, big body guy. He runs really hard. His problem again, you're going to see injury it bug. is injury bug. You're going to see it a lot with these guys, but it's actually these guys coming up, bring brought up with the injuries are big because they went out and got Dante Dowdell out of, uh, out of, uh, Oregon. Uh, they've got Emmett Johnson coming on, uh, and then even with Ramir Johnson, who's on the list as well too, he's a senior this year, but he got buried in 2000, 2022 because AJ Allen, who transferred out, was, a Q, was the cute with the RB one, and he had a good year. But those two guys, if they don't have, they don't have a, a decent spring, they're gonna get either moved see to a
0: freshman or a, a underclassman coming and yeah. taking that job. Yeah, you will,
1: and it's not, it's not it. It's not that they can't do the job. They they 100% can. I mean, Gabe Irvin, in, a, in like 2026, 20, is projected to be one of the top running backs in the NFL, in the draft. So he has that talent. They just, he has to stay healthy and put it all together. Because if he doesn't, he's falling behind everybody. And same with, and Ramir, they could move to a slot receiver. He's a short, fast, shifty guy, and he can do really, really well there. But, for the time being, they're keeping him where he's at. He's gotta, he's gotta do well there too. Uh, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, okay, he's a senior. He's a wide receiver. Now that everyone's gonna say, well, why are you putting a wide receiver on there when he's a senior? He has experience and sure. he's you know something that the team needs. Well, big factor here. If you look at what Malachi Coleman did, if you look at what uh, Jalen Lloyd, even like Jaden Doss and all these young guys, what they did last year, he's in jeopardy of falling to a a depth Sure. Right. He quit the team in 2022 because he didn't like Mickey Joseph. Okay. He came to play for Frost, didn't like Mickey, didn't get along with Mickey, and then he was there and he missed football, got a hold of got a hold of Rule and they Rule brought him back and then in the first game he tore his ACL so uh, geez it was a it was a nightmare but he's got a ton of talent too I mean he started in the JUCO ranks and went to New Mexico State and then came to Lincoln so he's got the talent but he's doesn't have spring he's fallen behind and that's not good for him. For sure. sure.
0: And, and probably not good for Nebraska either. You, you, you want him to step up and be, be a leader. and uh... Yeah. E-
1: essentially, this year, you want your three your three big receivers. Because mm-hmm. last year, we had Billy Kemp play the slot. And you're going to want Isaiah to play the slot. IGC is what they call him. They want him to play the slot. Because you're going to have Jamal Banks on one side. You're going to have Isaiah Nair on the other. Or Malachi Coleman. It's one of those two. And then you're going to have IGC... And probably Nair in the slot. Okay, so that's kind of that's kind of how that trends. Mm-hmm. However, if you don't have a good spring, and now it's going to switch to Jamal Banks, Jamal Banks on the outside, Kai Coleman on the outside, Isaiah Nair, and then Jalen Lloyd. Jalen Lloyd is a speedster. He's a guy that has had good hands, and finds ways to get open. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be to me how that depth chart would run. I'm not there, of course. Sure. I, I don't know. But you could also throw Ramir in there at some point, too, and now you have a crowded room with a lot of talent, and you're going to have to figure out how to keep all those mouths happy because that's a tough, tough, tough task. Tough job. ask. Yeah. You know, and Garrett McGuire, who's our <clears throat> wide receiver coach, I don't envy that job if that's the case. You know, I just don't because that's tough.
0: It's, that's it's just the – day and age of college football yeah. you gotta recruit your own players
1: <laughs> yeah you do And you gotta keep them around but you know like the last the last player I couldn't pick just one I have to say the quarterbacks the QB all room of, all three of the QBs because you got Dylan Royola, freshman out of Buford sure you got Danny Kalen, who's the freshman out of Bellevue West in in the Omaha area okay and you have Heinrich Harburg who's the junior he went 5-3 and three last year he didn't look great He's more of a tuck it, run it, or dinker and dunk guy. Okay. The two guys that are, I think it's really up to, is Dylan and Danny. Um. It'll probably be Dylan, but I remember telling you, when they were able to keep Danny Kalen, that that was a big deal, because if something happened with Dylan, you have yeah. just as good of a quarterback right behind him, to, to step in and do it, and. I don't know i don't know like i watched dylan play in the polynesian bowl he looked good but danny Kalen could come in there and outwork all three of them and be the starter next
0: year i mean it, if it's you or you know if this was my qb room i just i want the best that's out there of course and i think that's how rule will probably go yeah, i agree about it i agree and
1: i and i think that's the only way you, you can approach that mm-hmm. you know glenn thomas is there, the quarterback coach now and I don't think he's going to pull a punch with any of those guys. He's going to push every single one of them, and he's going to see who gives them the best chance to win. Harburg is a very big project because you have to work his mechanics. If you watch Justin Herbert in college in his beginning years, Mm -hmm. where he kind of would throw the ball sidearm, you get that with Harburg. Okay. But now you watch Herbert come up across with a little sidearm action. Mm -hmm. If they can get him to that... Mm I think Heinrich will be fine, and he could win a bunch of games for us. But if you don't, it's going to be tough,
0: real tough. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I mean, with with all that talent there in the QB room, I mean, you hope that it's just pushing all of them to be better, and you're you're just going to get the best of the bunch there. So.
1: And they know that if they don't make it, you, any one of them you could transfer out. They're going to get a transfer. They're going to go, <laughs> They're going to go get a transfer. They have been very upfront with each and every oh, you mean Nebraska is well, going to go, go get, get a transfer? transfer. Okay. They'll go get a transfer quarterback for fall to see who's the best out of all that. So they're not going to just sit there and be like, "Oh, we have Jeff Sims like they had last year," and watch him just sink when they should have kept Casey around, and they probably would have won eight games last year with Casey with Casey Thompson. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're learning from that mistake, and I think that's great, but. That QB room has a lot to prove this spring. Sure. Otherwise, if they don't, they're gonna they're
0: gonna be stuck in the middle of of a bigger dog fight with a fourth mouth. So, I mean, I th- I think those are all great picks, and like you said, I, to me it, it, that QB it, it, it makes and breaks your team. Yeah. So, but and then having to hinge that on a, a true freshman is a big ass, But maybe maybe Riolà or Kalen is the the guy so we'll see
1: you just don't know until you get him in the in the spring and get him going but there's a strong possibility it's going to be one of those two okay Oklahoma what do you think about Oklahoma Oklahoma. okay
0: so yeah I mean similarly I'll you you ended with the quarterbacks I'll start off with it Jackson Arnold he is going to be the quarterback next year the starting quarterback It, it doesn't look like they're going to make him I mean, there'll be a competition, but it's his job to lose. Um, with, with as rough as that bowl game was, I, I think he's going to want to come out, and hopefully, you know, with our non-conference slate, he should be able to get through that pretty easy. But uh, OU's first SEC game will be against uh, Tennessee. Oh, God. And so immediately you're going to have the comparison between Arnold and Nico.
1: Yeah, and then you're also going to have it with Arnold and Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, true. You know, I don't know how much of the Dylan Gabriel effect is going to have on on Jackson Arnold. I I hope zero. Mm-hmm. They're two different quarterbacks for one. But and, and from all I've heard, you
0: Gabriel don't... did his best to be a leader and to a mentor for Jackson, and so hopefully, um, you know, he can just go out there and cut it loose and hopefully Seth Latrell can make some easy throws there for him. And I, I I do think out of all the positions out there that wide receivers are maybe our deepest. Yeah. So, um, With Burks. And- Burks, and uh, we could go down the list, but he's got a lot of weapons. So as long as it's schemed right and the running game comes along, I think, you know, he could have a pretty good season, hopefully a big jump. OU needs that to, I mean – it, it, it's a tough schedule next year. So, if we want to you know, get to nine or 10 wins, which could be possible, yeah. you're going to need Jackson on a plane at his best. I think if you win nine with Jackson, yeah. that's a good year. It's a good year. Sophomore, oh. true sophomore.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he always. First could, year starting. Yeah, he could always redshirt too, but mm-hmm. I don't think that does you any good. I mean, they have Casey behind him to, mm-hmm. to help, to help with him. the mentoring, help yeah. him,
0: and, and and push him. Because you said there that, like, Casey's not going to sit around and sit idle if he sees an opportunity. Nope, not at all. Uh, But also mentioning there, like, for Jackson to be the best he can be, we're going to need the running backs to be the best that they can be. And that running game last year left a lot to be desired. And uh, Gavin Sawchuck, who I would think is going to be our starting running back, he needs to have a good off season. He needs to get stronger. A lot of what I saw that plagued OU last year with their running game is the running backs couldn't run through trash. Corners, safeties stopping them. Like, if you have one man to beat, you can't shake them or you can't run through that. That... Uh, it, it, it's a big difference between having a really good running game and a, a really crappy one. And last year it was kind of crappy. So, that uh, that
1: also goes into line play too. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, that's the bigger, that's probably the bigger issue than crappy running back well, plays yeah. more, more crappy line play.
0: in I think the, the line got better there towards the end of the year and you could see what saw could be, um, when everything's hitting on all cylinders. So it, it, just more development from him, and hopefully getting uh, stronger with this uh, winter workouts and spring training. Um, hopefully, he can be the guy that OU needs him to be. Yeah. Um, it, just to further going along with that, we're talking about offensive line play that is going to help with the offense or with the running. Uh, I think Jacob Sexton. You, you're going to need with as much uh, players that we have leaving on the offensive line and the transfers and all that. We need. A centerpiece and I know Sexton is he's going to be a tackle but we, we need one to step up and be the leader who's going to be an anchor um, I look at Jacob Sexton to be that guy uh, he, he'll likely be a right tackle but if we're talking about running game you having a dominant right tackle is a great thing there and so I could see Gavin Sawchuk and Jacob Sexton playing off of each other if they both have big big winners and big springs it could be a, a catalyst for a great running game next year
1: do you think they keep him at right tackle or do you think they move him to left tackle
0: i honestly don't know beaten beaten ball he's kind of like a mad scientist with his offensive line he doesn't care if you're the best player he's more interested in getting the best five out there that yeah. work together the best
1: they're all offensive line coaches are that way sure too, yeah you know but well, the only reason I ask is is because if they move him from right tackle to left tackle, because I was thinking about this a little bit more after kind of the week, same thing after with... what we were talking mm-hmm. about last week, the last last episode was if they take him from right tackle and they move him to left tackle, you got to teach him a whole new set of skills backwards. True, and it's the same way if you move a left tackle to right tackle, right you got to do the backwards stuff. So it might behoove Oklahoma to keep Sexton at right tackle. And to take a Tarquin or a Spencer Brown and put him sure. and put them at left and get them used to that spot, just because that's probably what they need more. Right.
0: Yeah. No. No. I. I agree. I. I think. I see him staying at the right tackle spot, but we'll see. Like, I mean, there's always obviously a chance for them moving him around, but um, I see. I see him staying at right tackle, and I. Th- I think that would probably be best for that offensive line. Yeah. Um, so we're at three there. Uh, fourth one, I'm gonna go wide receiver. Uh, I I know I did say this is probably the most the deepest uh, position on the offensive side of the ball. There's a lot of names, but it, there isn't really one that sticks out to me all too much. And so if if one could come forward and be like the go to target, uh, be great for Jackson Arnold. But it, I I think that that guy it should be Andrell Anthony and he was probably our number one last year before he went down in the Texas game. Uh, he is a great deep, deep target. He was a transfer from Michigan, um, and immediately came in and like I said, became our number one guy. Um, if he can come back from that injury that he had last year and pick up where he left off, it's going to help Jackson. It's going to help that offense out. Um, it will open up all the underneath stuff too, uh, which once again will help Jackson. Yeah. And uh, with with such a young quarterback, I you you see it in the NFL too with rookies is tight end play. Tight ends are your uh, your safety valve. There, I think it will be what Jackson needs. And after the last couple of years, our tight end play hasn't been what we need it to be. And I would like to see OU you get more towards of like a Ravens offense or like a Patriots offense, since we're talking about moving more towards an NFL game, if we had more of an NFL style offense with two tight end play where you don't know if they're going to be blocking, if they're going to be going out for uh, passes and like actually being a pass catching threat. Um, And I, I look at Jake Roberts, the transfer from Baylor being that guy, hopefully to be the number one tight end. And I hope that he has the winter and the spring uh, get stronger, get, since he's a transfer coming in and getting that relationship built with Jackson Arnold. Um, having him and both Andrew and Anthony, like, both great weapons, and I think will help with the development of Jackson Arnold. So, yeah.
1: And I also think that uh, OU, if they move to... An offensive style similar to NFL will be mm-hmm. Baltimore, because Latrell's an air raid guy. Sure, and they're kind of running an air raid offense, and you know, in Baltimore. I mean, I hear Rule talk about wanting to be a 49ers offense with, you know, positionless players moving them around here, move them here, create mismatches, and that's yeah, that's what I think. That's I think that's more where the Big Ten is going. Sure, is on that side, and I think the SEC is more going to. Like an
0: air raid, which is funny,
1: which is which is weird, right? You know, because
0: you don't see because it was such a defensive league. It's like we're gonna yeah. ground and pound, exactly right.
1: Yeah, and it and it's just you see what's going on in the NFL and how all the the offenses now in the NFL are are more elaborate than what they used to be because it used to be. First to second
0: down, turn around, hand it off, third down, play action, throw it deep. You know. The talent level yeah. is is increased so much. Everybody's fast as shit. It's Everybody's strong. So yeah. it's like it's scheming is is a very big thing.
1: Yeah, the athletes have have definitely evolved, which has caused the game to evolve. Mm. Which is awesome. It's awesome for the game. But all the other crap behind it going on right now is <laughs> true. It's, it's
0: making it tough. But well, I mean, we covered a lot here. Where are we at? Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably cover it here on this episode. Um, do defense next next episode. Yeah. Talk about who we need to see step up on, the, you know, Nebraska and Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and maybe after that we could start looking at, yeah. some yeah,
1: looking at some guests. Yeah, uh, look at some we, guests. We're talking to some people right now, trying to get some stuff lined some, up. Some
0: correspondence in yeah. each fan base. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> we, we might have a New York one, but... <laughs> It's uh it'll be funny to have the New York correspondent on cuz I don't think they're going to be able to give us any valid information. <laughs> I love them, but I don't think that's going to be the case.
0: Ruckers. They're coming for you. Oh,
1: good lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, with all the jokes aside, uh, we're we're looking to have a a little bit more a little bit more
0: fun and broaden this whole thing. So, oh, I I think also we're going to be looking at potentially better better production value yeah. coming around. Yeah. Things are stepping up in the counter option world. Yep. And we're working very hard to get to that point. Oh. So. But uh, we thank you all for listening and we'll talk with you next time. Absolutely.